Good morning, friends. Uh, we've just had the gospel sung over us, the good news of Jesus Christ and his way, which is big enough not only to take care of uh, the, the brokenness, the forgiveness that we need for the failures of our lives, but also to lead us gloriously forward um, in a way that leads, as Jesus himself put it, to abundant life. So we're, uh, we're in the middle of just addressing uh, different topics of where his way intersects our ways and to see how his way is better and actually leads uh, to everything that we actually want at the deepest part of our lives as human beings. And um, so I'm going to show you a quick video and see if you can guess what our topic is this morning. So uh, one of the things that we notice, you know, from the video there is that emotions, both positive and negative, are contagious, right? So they go viral in groups. So not only are we as individuals like experiencing all kinds of emotions through the course of a week, but um, there's a... There's a part of us as human beings that those emotions are amplified in groups. Um, this is called a social contagion. Um, and I think it's important to, to recognize that while uh, it's an awesome thing, um, when it's positive, like things like laughter um, and positivity, um, it can also not be so great when the social contagions that we're creating uh, emotionally are negative when they are, when they are uh, either anxiety-based or fear-based or worry-based. Um, you know, we live, um, we live in an unending circuit of positive and no negative emotion. Um, and that's great, except when it's not. So what is the primary emotion that you would say is cycling through our society today? Yeah, I agree. Um, in fact, I have a slide. It's fear. Um, there is a reason for that. Um, our brains are hardwired to scan for threats. So uh, what that means is that the default mode of the human brain actually is the negative, not the positive. Um, it's part of our survival instincts. Um, but the media knows this, okay? And because the media's business is our attention, um, they are building a mo business model based on fear. That's, so, when you, uh, so when you turn into the news um, or basically intersect with any sphere of our public life right now, um, the way that your attention is being captured is by fear. In fact, the, the business models of all the major news networks and all of social media um, is based in a ratio that they've figured out from brain science where uh, to keep your attention and to be, remain competitive, they need to run seven to, to 12 negative stories to every one positive. Now, the crazy thing about that is if a news channel went out and just said, hey, we're going to reverse that and do the opposite, like seven positive things to one negative, guess what you would do? You would change the channel because your brain is addicted to fear. Fear, uh, fear is not only accelerated by our own ruminations, it's actually accelerated by others' fear. Um, and this is the sad story of contemporary life, that we are creating a cultural fear. There are many, many positive and good and virtuous things happening in the world, and yet uh, we choose to ruminate and focus you know, on the negative. Now, this is not only common to our century, it's common to all of life. Um, and Jesus stepped into the middle of it to show us a better way to take, to take fear on in himself and to give us a path forward from worry 
to peace. So this is not surprising then when you look at the biblical narrative from beginning to end, both Old and New Testament. Did you know that the command, do not be afraid, is the most frequent command in the entire scripture? By far. There's not a close second. Um, And this is uh, instructive. Jesus himself came and in many places addressed head-on this idea of our preoccupation to worry and to fear. Um, And probably his greatest teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, you remember the the teaching that he says to folks, like there's actually two paths in life. There are people on one path that are spending their entire life energy with an unending preoccupation with survival. So they're worrying about what they're going to wear and what they're going to eat and what they're you know, uh, what, they, what their image is. Um, and they're spending their entire lives in that direction. And he said, I've come to give you a different way of life, a life with God, uh, where I tell you the, the beginning point of it is that you, not, you don't have to worry about your life. And then Jesus pointed to the birds of the field and the flowers of the grass and creation itself, like we've sung about, to say the evidences of God's unending care and his power and his grace we're saturating our world, and yet a whole group of people were living in a fear mentality rather than an abundance one um, under the care of God. And so there's other stories, like in Mark chapter 4, uh, another familiar one, where the disciples who were, who were listening to this invitation and attracted to it were also bumping into the things that you and I do in life. They were, they were encountering storms. So in Mark chapter 4, the disciples and Jesus get into a boat simply in the course of their ministry and business to move from one city to the next. Um, Jesus goes into the boat, falls asleep, and you remember what happens in the story in Mark chapter 4 is that a giant storm comes on the lake. And so the waves begin to rise and it becomes very violent. The disciples begin to freak out because they feared the boat was going to sink and that their lives were actually in in serious peril. Um, And so they begin to panic Um, Jesus wakes up in the story, speaks to the wind and waves and silences them, and then turns and asks this question, which in context is somewhat strange. He says to them, why are you afraid? Now, if you were in the boat, what would your answer be? Because we almost died. And Jesus says to them, do you still have no faith? Now, here's the question. What did Jesus and his mentality and his thinking and his vision and also in his body know that his disciples didn't? Or we might might make it contemporary. What does Jesus know about life and reality that when we are captured by worry and fear and all the stress that comes with it that we have not yet learned? And I want to suggest to you that Jesus knew something about the very core of reality itself, that he was always and perfectly in the care of a loving God who was bringing all things to a beautiful conclusion. This is what he knew. He knew it so thoroughly that even his body knew it. In other words, his adrenaline systems, his heart rate, his blood pressure were calibrated from living always and unendingly in the care of an unceasingly loving father. 
And because Jesus knew this, he knew that the world itself, with all of its storms, was still a perfectly safe place to be. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. In the way of Jesus, do you know that you were loved? Do you know that you're safe? Do you know that every storm that you have encountered and will encounter are in the context of his watchful eye? You remember Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his notice. How much more are you than a common sparrow to God? In other words, his eye is on the sparrow. It's on you unceasingly. And this changes or can change the entire experience of our lives. Now, I want to clarify here that this does not mean, in the teaching of Jesus, <clears throat> that we will not be hurt. So in other words, you would say to me, and I know some of you mentally are, like, Dell, okay, that's great, but if I lose track of my three-year-old and they run out into the street after the service and there's a car coming, are you telling me that this world is safe? And I'm not telling you that the world itself is safe. I'm not telling you that there is no hurt. But what Jesus was teaching, that in the big picture of God's care, it was so eternal, it was so unending, it was so fierce, it was so forever, that even the things that hurt us in the context of love actually cannot harm us. Do you you see the difference? There is a difference between hurt and harm. In other words, the final chapter of our lives and the ultimate trajectory of God in our lives never ends with the hurts that harm us. There is always redemption. There is always renewal. There is the wiping away of every tear. And in fact, the scripture teaches us in other places that people who learn to walk in the care of God through their hurts, their hurts actually become a springboard for healing. In other words, uh, the scripture will tell us that 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 everything works ultimately for the good of those who are called according to this purpose, who are caught up in this love and who know this reality. This is the radical and revolutionary teaching and invitation of Jesus' way. Now, the question then becomes, how in the world do we become free from worry and full of a faith that would so transform us that even in the storms, we can have peace. Now, I think there's a a whole bank of teaching here that I want to give you from Jesus and those who followed him. And the first is this, that we need to learn to use God's trust bank. Did you know that God has a bank? Not many of us, probably most of us here, have a bank because we want to secure our money and our valuable our valuables in a place that would be free from theft or free from loss or free from harm and so the bank has a bigger vault than we do and they have they have transparency and accountability in ways that we put those those very important things on deposit in the bank but you know that God and in the teaching of Jesus, has a bank. So check out Philippians 4 in this context. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Now think about this in the context of a deposit system. What, what, what the text is telling us here is that when we begin to worry, the first question that we need to ask is what can I do about this concern? What is the, what is the context of this concern and what is the limitations of this concern? So in other words, sometimes when we begin to worry about things, there's an invitation to good action. So God has given us a realm of control and the, the ability to make decisions and to do stuff with our life energy. So instead of worry, when we ask the question, what is within my power to do about this, we can begin to redirect that to virtuous action. We take action for the things that we can control. But if you're like me, so many of the things that, that we worry about and the reason that worry has such a power and a grip on being a never-ending cycle is that the things that we worry about are the things that we can't control. So there is so much about life, would you agree, that is, that is beyond the realm of our control. For example, anything in the realm of what if. Like this might happen, or this might happen, or what if this happened, what if this happened. Uh, those things are not present, right? They're not present realities yet. They're in the future. And therefore, we can't control those things, right? So when we go down the path of what if, we are in the realm of what we can't control. When we start to, to, to believe that our well-being is contingent on the action of another person, as, how, how, is your, how is your success ratio with controlling the behavior of other people? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a recipe for loss of peace. So in, in anything that is outside the realm of our control, the text then tells us what to do, that we're to tell God simply that. God, I have this concern. I don't know what to do about it. It's in the realm of something that I can't control. Is your bank big enough for a deposit like that? Like, in other words, are you big enough? Is your care, is your concern, is your power, is your activity big enough for that concern? As I think back over my life and all the things that you're managing right now as God and that you've created all around me and the things that you've done in my life, I want to thank you for being, you're batting a hundred with me, you know, for the past. Are you big enough now to take this worry on deposit? And we put it in God's trust bank, asking him for what we need, thanking, from, thanking him for what, he, what he's done. Now, as we're able to put that worry into the bank, what does that free up in terms of our energy? Where our energy was consumed with worry, now there is room for peace. So God's incredible peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, has room to come into our hearts. Now, here's the, here's the way this works, though, in real time. In the same way that you are free at any moment to go withdraw your money from the bank, guess what you can, guess what you can withdraw at any moment from God's trust bank? Well, you can withdraw the concern, right? So a lot of times, the way this works for me in real life, because I'm a worrier, is I've got to put on deposit my worries frequently. Like, I go to God's bank, like, a lot. Um, sometimes about the same issues, because it's like, it's coming back. It comes back. Now, 
uh, one of the things that we can ask, again, to, to, remain, to retain agency is, if a concern comes back, like you put it on God's trust bank, it's coming back. The question is what? God, is there anything that you want me to do currently that's in my control with this concern? Like, has, has the situation changed? Are you wanting to speak to me? Is there creativity? But if the situation hasn't changed and it's still outside of my control, where does it need to go? Back in the bank, right? So Jesus uh, teaches us a related principle in Matthew 6. What he says is, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, why would, why would Jesus say this? Is tomorrow inside of your control or outside of it? Well, it's in the future, right? So Jesus is saying the whole category of tomorrow is like above your pay grade. So the reason that I'm telling you don't worry about it tomorrow is because it's futile. The energy that you will spend worrying about what ifs and tomorrow, does it change tomorrow? Does, it, does your worry contribute to a different outcome just by worrying about it? So, he, so Jesus is not like giving us a moralism. He's giving us a wisdom principle here. He's saying basically, and he, he, he references this in the teaching. Like he says, can you, can you by worrying about it add an inch of inch to your height? You know, just by wishing you were, like, I, you know, I wish I was taller or whatever. Can you, or shorter? Can you, can you change that? No, there's, there's realms of things as human beings that are beyond our control. If it's beyond our control, whose, whose control is it in? Beyond us, right? In God's. So we don't worry about tomorrow because it's futile. We simply take wise action for what we can control and, and, then, and then Jesus adds this. And by the way, as you actually live your life, not in what if, but in, in what is, there's plenty of things to, there's plenty enough to preoccupy your energy, you know, during every single day. So, so uh, the first principle here is to use God's trust bank. Secondly, the wisdom of Jesus would teach us to refocus our mind. Now, I've already mentioned to you that your mind, by default, will focus on what? Hmm? It'll, 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 it'll tend to trend toward threats and toward the negative. And so it's interesting here that in the same context, so we had Philippians 4, 6, and 7 telling us to use God's trust bank, the next verse is what to do with the energy of our mind once it's been freed up by worry. So you've made a deposit on God's trust bank. You've done what you can control. Now what do you do with your mind? Well, you fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. You see, the vision of God for your life actually is not that you not worry. The vision of God for your life is that you be filled to the brim with joy and love and peace. And do you realize that this is an action verb here? That, 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 that intentionally we need to learn to habituate our mind by noticing the goodness and beauty that is all around us. Now, here's the, here's the sad part. I was out in Denver um, last weekend, Memorial Day, is that? Yeah, last weekend, uh, to do a wedding. So pretty, right? We're, our, we're out in the out backyard and the mountains are all around us. And so I was talking to the different people who live there and I'm like, I'm like, man, you guys are so lucky to live out here in the mountain ranges and stuff. Like, how often do you get up to the mountains? I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. I think we went once last year. And then, like, you know, maybe three times at most. Like, we always say we're going to do it. but we. And so I'm like, wow. And then I started thinking, how often do I get to northern Michigan? 
you know, or out to the lake. I'm like, what is going on? Like, you come, you come to our place to vacation and I go to yours. And then the whole year, my preoccupation is on what? Well, when I'm honest, like, I have responsibilities and I have things that God's called me to do. But a lot of, a lot of our energy, the question is, what would happen to our energy? Where would our, where would our preoccupations, where would the possibilities lead us if we weren't being consumed on this path of stress and worry and we were, we were using God's trust bank, going deep into his love. And, then like, and it's interesting that Jesus taught people, he was constantly like, hey, look at the flowers of the field. Look at the birds of the air. Look at this in nature. Look at over here. It was, like, it was like an entire generation was going through their lives looking down when glory was all around them. And you see, the command of God is that we to be saturated with goodness and with beauty. I mean, can you think of anything awesome that's not in, the, in this list? Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise because your default as a human being in your way is to look down. It is to get, it is to ruminate, it is to worry, it is to try to control things that you do not have to control. It is to, it is to believe that your validation as a human being or your existence or your survival, the whole nine yards, like keeping your kids alive, all of that weight rests entirely on you. And to, and to consume your life energy and things that you can't control when glory is all around you and is possible. This is Jesus' desire for you to have a beautiful mind, saturated with the care, the presence, and the beauty of God. And thirdly, this. Stick to what's in your power to do. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a logic loop. Don't worry. Put your stuff into God's trust bank. Dedicate your energy to good. Fill your life with beauty. And then, oh, by the way, don't worry. <laughs> right? Keep putting into practice all that you've learned. Then the God of peace will be with you because, because the point of not worrying actually is a redirection into a life that is actually worth living. Now, I've come to, uh, to believe this week, mining my own worry, just being, trying to be honest about it, that, that worry and fear, according to Jesus, actually are a contagion. Like we're living in a culture of fear. We're, we're, we're not only fearful, but we are exacerbating each other's fear. Um, that worry and fear is a contagion that we can control. And this is what I mean. Uh, several things here to do this. I believe we need to begin to limit access to fear-mongering. Um, if you, and I don't mean to be hard about this, but if you're a person who has the news in all, the t- all the time, is watching it on loop, if you're listening to talk radio all day, this is not a political statement because I don't care if it's Fox News, CNN. Um, the single greatest thing that you could do for your peace is to shut it off. You know why? You know right now that every, every seven minutes, you're going to hear 12 fearful things. That's the business model. They're baiting your brain. You are the product. And you are inundating, you're swallowing 
you're meditating and you're ruminating in fear. Okay? Secondly, stop catastrophizing. Now, I did this last week, okay? So this is like, this is like really having to check me. So I sat down with a bunch of my buddies. We're talking, we're checking in. We start talking about inflation. We start talking about housing prices or something, you know? They're, so we start talking about that. And we're like, oh man, and there's no doubt, right? Prices are up. So then we start worrying about like, oh man, is this inflation gonna be temporary or is it gonna be long-term? Well, it could be long-term. I mean, they've been printing a lot of money. So now we're talking about this. Now we're talking about like, how are we gonna preserve our retirement and our families? And I almost was ready to go run out of the bank, right, and withdraw my money by the end of this conversation. Now here's the thing. None of us are financial advisors. If you have questions about your finances, go talk to your financial advisor, right? Get the facts, do what you can do. But do you follow what I'm saying? We are catastrophizing. We are, we are, we are seeding a social contagion constantly that does not reflect the core of reality, which is God's care and his love, okay? Thirdly, get the facts from original sources. I'm going to say this as gently as I can. The news media is not factual. The business model is not factual. Now, we all think we have our set of sources that are factual, but the business model of that source is also the same. Okay? So, so if you want to know about something, stop quoting somebody who quoted somebody who quoted somebody who was based on an agenda. If you want to know somebody, read the original sources. I better stop. Okay? But, but as a Christian community, we are horrible about this. Okay? This is not the way of Jesus. Fourthly, identify what is yours to do. Okay, what is in the realm of my control? This is Jesus' wisdom. It's also the core of ancient wisdom. It's reflected in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, courage to change the things I can, and here's the key, and the wisdom to know the difference. The wisdom principle here in the way of Jesus is what can you control? Okay, there are some things that are in the realm of wise action or the calling of God. There are burdens that we carry that are ours to carry because they are part of our calling. It's not like a, it's not like a burden-free life. But the point here is everything outside the realm of that is in the realm of worry. And any energy invested in Anything outside the realm of what you are called to do is not the path to peace. Do you follow what I'm saying? And therefore, is not, it is not the way of Jesus. Calmly take action where you can. Now, here's the key. Even when there is something that needs to be done, that must be done, that should be done, the world and its well-being is not resting on you. Okay? It's not resting on me. We're not wired up to, to bear that weight. And so when we do it, the thing that we should do, the thing that we must do, how should we do it? In awareness. 
of God's loving care, right, with us. It should be done, it should be done differently than so often I do it because I'm, I'm worked up. I'm, I'm responding out of fear instead of out of peace. And then everything else has got to go where? It's got to go into God's trust bank, which then frees me up for the main goal of my life, which is to be a person of peace, to focus on what's good and beautiful, to, to, to sow contagions of peace and joy and beauty and loveliness everywhere with my words and my actions and my deeds. Now, let me just say I get it. Um, I want you to be patient with yourself in this process because there will be things that you know cognitively before you know them viscerally. Don't believe me? Go to a ropes course. How many of you have seen a ropes course? Well, powers of learning. How many of you have been out on a ropes course? Okay, a few, a few more of you. Um, I hate ropes courses. Um, I've never made it through one. Okay, my kids like them. Okay, you know, um, I I applaud them. Um, here's what happens to me uh, every time. I'm still a sucker for them though because I go and the guide goes, "Look at this rope. It's strong. It could hold a crane. You are smaller than a crane." I'm like, "Thank you." And so, look at this harness. It's strong. It's it's anchored in. You cannot. When you put this harness on this rope. You cannot fall. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. So I, put, so I hook it up. I go up, and I stand on the platform, and now I'm, it's ready to walk out onto the thing, and my body's going, don't do it! <laughs> you're going to fall. And I'm looking at it, I'm telling my body, no, you're not going to fall. It's, you know, I'm anchored into the you know, thing, and I go through it, and then I go to put a foot for it, and my body starts to shake, and then I go down. Okay. Because my mind knows something that my body doesn't. Now, what's, what's maddening is then, then there are the people who work there. Okay? And the guy's out laying on the thing. He's got a slurpee. You know, he's like, everybody goes through it. You know, you can make it. You're a grown man. And I want to say, if I wasn't so scared, I would come over there and take care of you. Right? <laughs> now, what, what does the guide know that the people who are signing up don't know. They have the same set of information, right, about the facts. But, but the guides have spent time out on the ropes. Over time in habituation, their body has come to believe what their mind knows, that they're not going to fall, that they're perfectly safe. And therefore, they're 60 feet up in the air drinking a Slurpee. And I'm about to have a complete Panic attack, right? Now, this is a very good illustration for growth of faith. We must renew our mind in what Jesus said because the, the truth about reality actually is so. You are perfectly safe. You are unendingly loved. There will be many hurts. Ultimately, there will be no harm. All is well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. This is the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ. You are in his way. You're loved. His eye is on you. Now, your body doesn't believe it. Okay, so this is technology. It doesn't believe it. How do you begin to close the gap 
you got to get on the ropes. You've got you to learn with God to prove that this is so. And there is a way in the way of Jesus where a life of joy and love and peace actually become, can become the dominant reality of your life. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the revolutionary mind and revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he came into the middle of our broken, fear-saturated world with a different message about who you were, who you are, who you will be. Thank you that there is actually good news for the human race at the very core of reality. Thank you that we are perfectly safe in your loving care. God, we're out on the ropes course and it's really high and we need to learn how to walk with you for our bodies to believe. We're the disciples in the boat. Um, and I pray that we would see forward progress in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.